Hey there, future friends. This week, LSD stands for Limited Slip Differential, and the changing of the guard comes every few hundred years. This is the week of September 4th in the year of our Lord 2020, and you are listening to episode 180 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to this show i know the title for this week is kind of on the nose but come on marissa tomei saves the day it rhymes it makes you smile and i know it does nothing to hint that old guard was another one of the movies for this week but you know what i just went with it so sue me well my future friends welcome to the show what a week we had right i mean am i right We'll be talking about that in the news, but for now, let me tell you a little bit about the show. In its current form, aka the COVID form, Future Flicks with Billiam works a little like this. Each week, we do some things like watch movies. Go figure. But we also talk about any new news that has caught my eye and any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. Once again, I'm not perfect. I do miss things. So then I ask you to help me out going, hey, did I miss a news story or a trailer that you would like to hear me rant about? Well, let me know and I will talk about it the next week. So after the news and the trailers, we go into the movies. Each week during COVID, I am going to talk about two movies that are available on streaming, most of the time on streaming. Sometimes I just really want to talk about another movie I saw that I either own or got from a library. But I will really try to make sure all of these movies are available on streaming. This week, those movies are My Cousin Vinny that is available on Hulu and The Old Guard, which is on Netflix. If you're new to the show, normally we do things a bit differently. Normally, this show is about movies that come out during the week. As in, I would be talking to you about all the films that would be hitting theaters on Friday. And I know that in some areas, theaters are already open. A podcast host and film buff I follow on Twitter, Chris Gore, went to Las Vegas to watch Tenet in theaters, but I'm not going to do that yet. I'm not going to talk about all the movies coming out in theaters because, look, there aren't a lot right now. And also, I don't want to encourage people to go out. I still think we should be sheltering in place until it's very much over. Because to me, right now, it's just not worth it. But yes, normally on the show, I go over every film that's coming out during the week. I give it my thoughts. And then I have a pick of the week where I tell you, hey, in my opinion, if you see one movie this week, this is what it should be. But now we're just watching movies available on streaming and I'm talking about it. In some cases, I have a lot to say. Other times it's like Magic Camp where I don't have a lot to say. But this week, I, I think I can think of a of a few tidbits of information about each movie. But before we talk about the films, we have to talk about something else. Which takes us into the first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we have to start with the obvious story that on August 28th, actor Chadwick Boseman lost his battle to colon cancer. He passed away at the age of 43 at his home in Los Angeles. I believe in his home. Apparently, he had been battling cancer for a number of years and even filmed quite a few movies, including some Marvel movies and Spike Lee's The Five Bloods. And I'm also assuming that his two other movies have yet to come out, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Yasuke. Oh, actually, just one movie, because Ma Rainey's Black Bottom has been completed, but Yasuke is in pre-production, so it'll be interesting to see who they pick to replace him in that. But already, lots of stories are coming out, people sharing their memories of Chadwick Boseman, people who have acted, who have shared the screen with him, people who knew him. Apparently there's a petition to replace a Confederate memorial in his hometown 
with a statue of him. He was born in Anderson, South Carolina. And I would actually like to see this because, look, you guys know I try not to make this show political at all. I try not to talk about politics. When we have a documentary on the show we're talking about that is political, like a few years back, we had both documentaries on Hillary and Donald Trump coming out. I kept my opinions to myself. But with this, I I don't think this is a political issue. I think it's just an obvious one where Confederate statues shouldn't be a thing. The Confederacy only lasted from 19, sorry, 19, from 1861 to 1865. And let's not forget it formed so seven slave states can stay slave states. So basically, yes, I'm for this. Let's, let's just have statues of Chadwick Boseman around. That'd be great. And, you know, I'm going to quote Philip DeFranco, the the YouTuber Philip DeFranco right now, because there are some people out there who get really bitchy when you want to mourn a celebrity. And they, and they say, oh, what about the thousands, millions, hundreds or whatever that die every day? You don't mourn for all of them. It's like, well, no, but we also don't have a connection to these people. True, I never met the man like ever and never even came close to meeting him. But that doesn't mean I can't mourn. Don't let anyone tell you who you can mourn. That's bullshit. If a celebrity passes away and you feel something, feel it. You're allowed to feel it. Anyone who says otherwise can go take a long walk off a short pier. Well, let's have um, let's have some happier news. Well, not happy per se, but just not death related. This from Slash Film. Director Nikki Caro is defending herself as to why she didn't need to be Chinese to direct the Mulan movie. And I wasn't even aware that was a thing. I didn't know people were upset about that. But come on, in today's society, people get upset about everything. A lot of it matters. Don't get me wrong. I'm not one of those people. But but this really shouldn't be one of the things we get angry about. But she says, and I quote, It's a very important conversation to be having, and I support it taking place as often as possible. For me, it comes down to two things. Firstly, I resist the idea that you tell somebody who can tell what story. That sounds a little bit like censorship to me. An artist will express themselves and the burden of responsibility is on the art. That will be judged and should be judged. Though she does go on to say that, yes, more diverse people should be allowed to tell stories. There should be more people telling stories out there, no matter what the subject matter is. And I 100% agree with her on that. The book world has the same conversation all the time because we have, like, there's a book, the book that I love, that I talk about so much, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda, a story about a young gay man who is worried about coming out and he's forced out and it's all this, it's all in the book. Just read the book. It's great. But it's written by a straight woman. And while we should celebrate and read more own voices work out there that doesn't mean what she did was bad also let the work speak for itself okay i'm going to stop here before i go too much into this and instead we're going to jump to the next story which comes to us from variety the scream reboot now has a release date yay everyone asked for this everyone's going to be happy this isn't going to be terrible at all said no one the release date is set for January 14th, 2022. So far, we know that Courtney Cox will reprise her role as Gail Weathers, along with David Arquette playing uh, Dewey. And it has not been confirmed, but it is rumored that Nev Campbell will return as Sidney Prescott. The only thing known about the plot is what it says right here on IMDb. It says, A new installment in the Scream horror franchise will follow a woman returning to her hometown to try and find out who has been committing a series of vicious crimes. I wonder if that person will be wearing a ghost face mask. I wonder if that hometown will be a place that Sydney's lived. If that woman is not Sydney, I wonder if she's going to then try to find Sydney for help. Well, there's only one way to find out, and it's to watch the film when it comes out in 2022. In this next story from Box Office Mojo, apparently, The New Mutants, the Disney movie that was an acquisition from 20th Century Studios, or 20th Century Fox then becoming 20th Century Studios, made $9.9 million over the weekend. It was shown in 2,412 theaters making on average about $2,902 per theater, where Bill and Ted Face the Music only grossed around $1.1 million as it only had a 1,000 theater opening, but it did top the video on-demand charts as it's being released on-demand for $19.99. So guess what? If you at least have one other person in your household that is willing to watch the movie, you're actually saving some money by watching it at home. 
Apparently, the company behind the personal history of David Copperfield decided that it would, they were going to try their luck in the theaters. And guess what? It flopped because who is going to risk going out in this for that movie? I do want to watch it, but if I was going to watch anything in theaters, it would have been Bill and Ted Face Music or The New Mutants. And this final story, my feature friends, comes to us from Slash Film. Apparently, Netflix is making seven titles, well, that's seven movies and a couple episodes of three different TV shows, free, completely free. So if you don't have a Netflix subscription, you will be able to watch Murder Mystery, Elite, The Boss Baby, Back in Business, Oh Boy, Bird Box, When They See Us, Love is Blind, and The Two Popes, as well as at least the first episode of Stranger Things, Our Planet, and Grace and Frankie. But let's face it, in today's age, there's really no excuse. Like, if you consume media at all, if you have enough spending money to consume media in any form, you can get Netflix. But if you know someone who doesn't get Netflix, let them know that, hey, certain movies will be free to watch pretty soon. Well, my future friends, that is it for the news. Sorry if that was a bit weird and if I, I paused a bit more than I usually do, just because... There actually wasn't any stories in my notes besides Chadwick Boseman's death because not a lot came out. So all of the stories that I read besides the loss of Chadwick Boseman were stories that came out this very day that I'm recording this, which is August 31st. Well, let's take our first break as we hear word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. So please stay tuned and we'll be back with the trailers. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, everyone, welcome back. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to The Trailer Trove. All right, my future friends, welcome to The Trailer Trove. For the first movie in The Trove, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen a Netflix original movie? If you've said yes, then ask yourself, which Netflix original movie do you think should have gotten a sequel? If you said The Babysitter, my follow-up question would be why? But also, if you answered The Babysitter, good news for you. Its sequel, The Babysitter, Killer Queen, is coming out on Netflix on September 10th. Uh, we have the most of the original cast returning for this. If you're wondering how some of them are returning, just watch a trailer. It explains it. Or if you care enough, just watch it when it comes out. And I'm torn when it comes to the first one and the second one, because I've never seen the first one. I just, I just never found it that interesting. Also, Bella Thorne is kind of sh**, so, eh, nah. The only saving grace, I think, for it would be the the rest of the cast, like uh, Hannah Mae Lee, who was in the Pitch Perfect series, is Lily. You know, the Asian that whispered a lot because, you know, there's a demon inside her or something. Samara Weaving's good, I like her. Robbie Amell, Leslie Bibb as a small role. So if you liked the first one, this seems great for you. Watch this. It seems like a no-brainer. But if you're like me, never saw the first one, weren't that interested, then skip it. Next up in the trove, we have a movie that I never thought would, would be a thing. And I never thought it would sound interesting. So this is a documentary coming to YouTube, a YouTube original documentary about Paris Hilton. And this doesn't seem like some basic... Oh, what have I been up to? Let me sell all this stuff I've been doing recently. No, this sounds like a very in-depth look. And she apparently confesses something that happened to her as a child, which is, you know, is going to be terrible. It's going to be awful and sad. Because if you're a kid and something awesome happens to you, you don't keep that to yourself. You f***ing tell everyone. It's only the bad sh** that you don't tell people. And in the trailer, she talks about creating a character and how she basically has to live as that character now and she hates the character. And I have to admit, this sounds fascinating. Because if you think about Paris Hilton and everyone like her, like the Kardashians now, uh, what the Bellas are trying to be like from WWE, they're selling themselves as a brand. 
whether or not they're actually like their, you know, their characters from their reality shows behind the scenes, that's a question because are they being themselves or are they presenting a character for the audience? I've never been a big fan of Paris Hilton. I never watched any of her reality shows. Uh, I watched House of Wax that she was in, and I liked that, and I thought she was good in that. Apparently, she's a DJ now. What? But look, if you've ever been a fan of Paris Hilton, or you just think the idea of someone creating a character out of themselves for a reality show was interesting, this could be for you. And this is going to be released on YouTube on September 14th. And you know what, my future fans, about the time I was recording last week's episode, the final trailer for Tenet came out. And I know that the movie is already released in some areas, but it's hitting theaters fully September 3rd. Well, where theaters are open on September 3rd. And normally, I don't think we really see new trailers, like brand new trailers come out so close to to a release date. But if you watch this trailer, this final trailer for Tenant, you'll see that it's not a trailer in the traditional sense. This just seems like a bunch of scenes. Just a bunch of scenes with cool shit happening, more weird time-reversing weirdness. Because I think they were counting on you having seen a trailer already. I'm thinking they're counting on you kind of being confused on what the plot is because let's face it, some some critics who got early access to the film, who've seen it already, are confused and they've seen it. Let's just go by this uh, this IMDb premise. It says, armed with only one word, tenet, and fighting for the survival of the entire world, a protagonist journeys through a twilight world of international espionage on a mission that will unfold in something beyond real time. So yeah, what the actual f***? I still really want to see this. It's Christopher Nolan. He does good work. And also, this has a good cast. We have John David Washington as the protagonist. Like, that's really what he's called, the protagonist. We have Robert Pattinson in this, Elizabeth Debicki, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Kenneth Branagh, Michael Caine, Himesh Patel. That is a good cast. So if you're excited for this film and you haven't seen the, with sarcastic air quotes, final trailer yet, check it out. It just shows a lot of cool scenes. And we get a preview of what the famous, already famous, plane crashing scene is like. Because remember, it was cheaper for Christopher Nolan and this movie to buy a plane and really crash it and film it than it was to do it through CG. So they bought an actual jumbo jet and crashed that shit. And this comes out in more cinemas on September 3rd, like I said. But remember, it depends if cinemas are open in your area. And please be safe if they are and you're going out. Just please be safe. Going out during COVID, you should follow the rules that I follow when I'm driving. Assume everyone else is an idiot. Well, my future friends, the next trailer we have to talk about is really weird. And I think it kind of makes Tenant look normal. This is a movie called Spontaneous, set to come out on October 6th. And it's based on a novel by Aaron Starmer, a book called Spontaneous as well. And it's about Mara Carlyle, whose senior year is going as normally as could be expected until fellow senior Caitlin explodes during third period calculus. Caitlin is the first, but she won't be the last teenager to blow up without warning or explanation as the seniors continue to pop like balloons and the national eye turns to Mara's suburban New Jersey hometown. Yeah, f***ing weird, right? And this f***ing weird movie uh, has an interesting cast. It's It stars Catherine Langford, who you would know from Love, Simon, or 13 Reasons Why, or Knives Out, Charlie Plummer from Looking for Alaska, or, let's see, what else? Boardwalk Empire, All the Money in the World. And then Piper Parabo, of all people, is in this. So yeah, interesting cast, interesting idea. I fully expected this to be a Netflix or Hulu original, in which case I think I would have been more down to watch it just because it would have been just available, like right there. But hey, if you really hate teenagers and you want to watch them explode, check this out. And my future friends, what could be the final trailer in the trove, I'm going to do one last look after this, But what could be the final trailer is a Netflix original movie coming out September 23rd called Enola Holmes. This is about Sherlock's teenage sister, Enola, whose mother one day disappears. Her two brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock, return home and insist on her becoming a proper lady instead of going to look for her mother. So she does what anyone would expect her to do and run off on her own to try and solve the mystery. 
This stars Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill, Sam Claflin, Helena Bonham Carter, Fiona Shaw, and that's it for the big names. And you know what? I'm down. This looks fun. It doesn't look particularly good. It looks just enjoyable, like a like a movie that you just watch to smile. This is based on a book series called, well, Enola Holmes. In fact, this is based on the first book, The Case of the Missing Marquis. It was released back in 2006 by author Nancy Springer, and now it's becoming a movie starring Millie Bobby Brown, and yeah, I'll watch it. Guess what? Probably sometime in October, this will be one of the movies we talk about. And if my prediction is right, I'm just going to kind of repeat what I said now. Spoiler alert, it just seems fun. You know, the kind of movies critics hate because they're dead inside. Just watch a trailer, and if you don't smile at least once, then forget it. Don't even try. But for the rest of us, we can find it on Netflix on September 23rd. Well, my future friends, there's one final trailer. I did find one right as I was about to say there isn't anything, and this is for a an indie film coming out November 13th starring Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan called Ammonite. Set in 1840s England, acclaimed but overlooked fossil hunter Mary Anning and a young woman sent to convalesce by the sea develop an intense relationship, altering both of their lives forever. So this is somewhat based on a true story. This is based on Mary Anning, who really was a fossil hunter. She was the one who discovered the plesiosaur, and I think she discovered the only known fully intact plesiosaur skeleton. She also discovered the ichthyosaurus. She also found a partial skeleton of a pterosaur. But she started finding fossils just walking along the walking along the beach. She would walk around the Blue Lias Cliffs in Lyme Regis, I think is how you say it. And she really did have a friend named Charlotte. Charlotte Murchison, played by Sir Sharonin in this movie. But the the lesbian storyline that they're having in this movie seems to be fictitious. Who knows? Maybe something that came out and now it's truth and I just never heard anything about it because I don't really keep up on news regarding her. Weird, right? But what we have here is a period piece starring Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. And that's enough for me. I think this looks interesting. I think that it has something to do with dinosaurs, which is badass, and it's going to tell at least part of the story of a famous paleontologist. So this comes out November 13th this year. And that's it, my future friends. That is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Nerds at the Squared Circle podcast. Please stay tuned. Nerds at the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds at the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Nerds at the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris, and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, everyone, we're back with the films. So let's start with the first film, which was the throwback film called My Cousin Vinny, available on Hulu. This movie is from way back, way, way back in 1992, starring Joe Pesci, Marissa Tomei, Ralph Macchio, Fred Gwynn, Bruce McGill, and Lane Smith. This was written by Dale Laudner, who wrote movies like 2019's The Hustle, He wrote Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, Ruthless People, and it was directed by Jonathan Lynn, who directed, well, wrote, he's a writer and a director, but he directed Clue, Nuns on the Run, Sergeant Bilko, The Whole Nine Yards, and this is about two friends who are out on a road trip, and they get accused of murder. They don't have any money for a lawyer, so Ralph Macchio's character, Bill, asks his cousin, Vinny, who's a lawyer from New York, to come on down and help. So Vinny brings his wife, Mona Lisa Vito, and the two travel down to rural Alabama, which is always a great place to be, and attempt to help the two kids. And this film has been out for a while, but it's always worth revisiting. And it was on my mind because I had watched a video by the Legal Eagle YouTube channel, 
And this video is called Real Lawyer Reacts to My Cousin Vinny, and he says it's the most accurate legal movie he's seen. In fact, the American Bar Association's journal ranks this film as number three on its list of 25 greatest legal movies. The director, John Lynn, actually had a law degree and insisted that the film's legal proceedings be realistic. And so now we have it as one of the most realistic legal movies of our time. And it was also the final feature film of actor Fred Gwynn, who you would know from shows like The Munsters or Car 54, Where Are You? and movies like Pet Cemetery, the original Pet Cemetery. And fun fact, Maury Chaikin is in this. He is a character actor who's been around forever, but he was in a few episodes of the TV show Entourage playing a character named Hyvie Weingard, who was kind of a scummy piece of sh**. Maybe he was supposed to be Harvey Weinstein? Anyone? Maybe. Okay, but enough of all this all this trivia. The fact is that I I thought of something when Anne and I were watching this film. I'm wondering if I have ever seen the movie from beginning to end because I've seen this movie a lot. I just I just realized though that maybe it's never been sitting down to watch it from beginning till the end credits because there were certain scenes that I was not familiar with. Another idea was that when I was a kid, we had taped this on VHS from HBO, and that's the way we would watch it. If you're my age, or maybe even a little younger, you remember what that's like, finding out that a movie's going to be on TV, so you get a blank tape ready, and you just start recording, and you just write on the tape what the movie is. But good times. But either way, maybe that version that played on HBO wasn't the full version. Maybe... There was a re-release later because I own it on Blu-ray and it's on Hulu. So maybe the version now is a more complete version. So maybe it's not my fault. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Not my fault. I am innocent. I am the victim here. Either way, there were scenes in this movie that I didn't remember. Like, I don't remember Vinny going out with the DA to play golf. Or no, not play golf, to hunt. Because if you remember, he wanted to get that, find out what the other guy knew. And so he's like, oh, you know, I'll go hang out with him. Maybe we'll get chummy. Maybe he'll send me all this stuff. And he, and so he gets sent all of the, all of the DA's information. And so he gets back to the hotel room with his chest puffed out, talking to, talking to his girlfriend going, oh yeah, I got all that information. You know, I was so smooth. And she's, then she says, he, he had to give you that. That's the rules. That's part of being a lawyer. Because the whole time Vinny was, trying to think of ways to circumvent the law, she was actually reading a law book that the judge gave her, proving that if it wasn't for Marissa Tomei's character, Mona Lisa Vito, if it wasn't for her, this movie would not have had a happy ending. But of course, that's part of the film. While the case is a big part of the movie, it really is also about the relationship between Vinny and Mona Lisa. And maybe, just maybe, he's been acting like a jerk for a lot of this movie. So then he needs her to help save the day. She does. So then she gets to help show that she's smart and can help and that he should have been asking her for help the whole time and come off looking like the hero. And Anne brought up a fact about the movie that I didn't know that I had to look it up. And The Rap did an article back in 2017 about a flaw in Mona Lisa's testimony in My Cousin Vinny. And so the whole argument is that that there's only two cars that could look the same, but be so different in the key way of one having an independent rear suspension, the other not. So that's why the tire marks of the perpetrator's vehicle leaving the the grocery store was so important because if I remember right, it's because they go over a bump, but not evenly. And the skid marks were even where that wouldn't have been the case. If Ralph Macchio's car was the, was the perpetrator's vehicle, because I guess it didn't have an independent rear suspension. I forget exactly, but this article says that the, the director realized that, after they made the movie, that there was another car that could have done it. So the good news is this isn't a movie-breaking error. We can still watch a film. We can still enjoy it. It's just a fun fact that there is one more car that it could have been. And that car apparently, not the Buick Skylark or the... 
the 64 Buick Skylark or the 63 Pontiac Tempest, it's actually a Chevy Corvair, which can also be confused, I guess, with those other cars. So yeah, just, just a fun fact. And I like learning new things about old favorite movies. I, I like it a lot. That's why I like it when when a movie gets re-released for the millionth time, because it's like it's some important anniversary or when we move from DVD to Blu-ray, everything got re-released. And sometimes they try to package things differently to sell it to us. Or, hey, this is an anniversary edition. So here's some new behind the, the scenes footage. Here's some new vignettes. Here's some new information or just something new to watch, which I find really fun. And what I noticed when I was rewatching this movie, and it's really weird, is that on Hulu and on Blu-ray, it looks really cleaned up, but you can still tell it's an old movie. Like, it looks beautiful, especially compared to the version on tape I had as a kid. And hell, if you look up pictures of the movie, if you go on the IMDb and look at My Cousin Vinny, the screenshot they have looks pretty old. But if you get it on Blu-ray, even DVD, it looks crisp and clean, but still noticeably old. And I get a kick out of things like that. Like seeing some old movie in high definition going, oh, look, Clark Gable's pores. I've never seen Clark Gable's pores before. But also, this movie is still visibly old. Look, this is a great old film. I, I don't think there are many people out there that will argue that point. And by our standards today, it still holds up. So not only do we have a classic film, classic from the 90s, but still a classic, not only do we have this as the movie that got Marissa Tomei her well-deserved Oscar, not only is this a wonderful comedy from Joe Pesci, but we also have a movie that's considered by many to be one of the most accurate law movies ever made, but also we can re-watch this and not cringe, which is great. If you've never seen this movie, do yourself a favor and watch it. If you have seen it, but it's been a while, it's time for a rewatch, isn't it? This is a great film. And I think the fact that we can still look back on it and believe that it's great, and it's more than just nostalgia that lets us believe it's great, that it's actually the quality of the film, I think that says a lot. Because honestly, as time goes on, our, our tastes change. And even styles change. Look back at old movies and how I mentioned when we we're talking about Casablanca that it really didn't have that overacting that we saw a lot back then. Overacting coupled with the transatlantic accent can really date a film. But My Cousin Vinny holds up. And I realize, I get it, that's not a fair comparison. It's not an equal comparison because the overacting black and white movies are from a long time ago, 40s, 50s, 60s. And this film was just from about 30 years ago, 28 years to be exact. So I get it. 28 years. Maybe if we wait another 28 years, maybe something about the film won't hold up again. But for now, you can go back and watch this film and enjoy it. I love this film and I will always love this film. And my cousin Vinny gets an 11 out of 11. All right, my future friends, let us take our next break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast, and then we'll be right back with the final film, Old Guard, or The Old Guard. Please stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall, filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** yeah. did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, my future friends, we are back with the final film, which, like I said, is called The Old Guard. It's a Netflix original film available to watch right now, and it stars Charlize Theron, who you know, of course, Kiki Lane from If Beale Street Could Talk, Matthias Schoenarts from The Danish Girl, Marwan Kinzari from Aladdin, 
Chiwetel Ejiofor from 12 Years a Slave, or if you're cool, Serenity, and Harry Melling from the Harry Potter series. The main bad guy is the guy that played Dudley in the movies. I did not recognize him, though I knew I knew him from somewhere. Watching the film, I was like, I know this guy. I just don't know what it's from. And it blows my mind because, you know, if you've if you've ever read the Harry Potter books, you'll know that one of the many reasons J.K. Rowling is a huge bitch is the fact that she hates fat people. And in every book, Dudley got fatter and fatter and fatter, and she would always comment on how fat he was, how much he ate. But Harry Melling is the scrawny-looking guy now, and that blows my mind. You know, that whole Harry Potter thing, it it pains me. I, I've taken down my, my Harry Potter books off my shelf because I don't want them seen in pictures on my bookstagram. J.K. Rowling can go f*** herself up her bitchy turf ass. I, I do not want to do anything to support her ever again. But it hurts because I finally got this beautiful set of paperback Harry Potter books that Anne got me from Wales when she was last back visiting her family in the UK, and I was so proud of it. Remember, folks, if you want to get the Harry Potter books for a kid in your family, or maybe you don't have them anymore and you want to get them again, borrow from borrow them from the library or get them secondhand. Don't give that bitch any more money. So enough about that. More about the Old Guard. The Old Guard is based on a series of graphic novels written by Greg Rucka. And the good news is that the writer of the screenplay is the same guy. So the person who wrote the graphic novel wrote the screenplay. So if you've ever read this graphic novel, I haven't. I I had no idea what it was about until I watched it. But if you had ever read the graphic novel, this this was your best hope for getting it accurate, or at least good. Because I get it, asking for a scene-by-scene version of a comic book, you know, turning that into a movie and asking it not to differ from the original source material at all is really hard to do. Especially if it's older and there's something questionable about it. Or maybe you're pulling from something like Marvel or DC, where there's so many convoluted storylines that are you going to pick just one? And if you answered yes to that, Okay, really? But, you know, to each their own. But this was directed by someone I've never heard of, Gina Prince-Bythewood, who is a writer and apparently a director, too. Let's see how many things she's directed. 18 credits. Uh, She wrote movies like Love and Basketball and The Secret Life of Bees and directed things like, oh, Love and Basketball and The Secret Life of Bees. Uh, She also did one episode of Cloak and Dagger, one episode of Everybody Hates Chris. So she knows what she's doing. She doesn't have a huge, huge um, IMDb list, but it's respectable. Definitely. She has directed 18 more things than I have. So already, before we get into the movie itself, into the meat of things, this already has a lot going for it. It has a good cast. It has a screenplay written by the by the writer of the original idea. And it's directed by someone who, who knows what they're doing. I mean, you don't see a lot of action movies on her on her page but that isn't also necessarily a bad thing because she can come into it fresh she's not going to have some signature thing like oh i need to throw a lens flare in there or i need to if you're in the case of michael bay be garbage at what i do so people know it's me so already this movie has a lot going for it and if you're not familiar with this movie if you didn't do your homework and watch it This is about a covert team of immortal mercenaries who are suddenly exposed and must fight to keep their identity secret just as an unexpected new member is discovered. So in this world, which is our world, but it has immortal people in it, there are just a handful of people who find out, guess what? We can't die, kind of. Because as we learn, they can get shot to hell, which we saw in the trailer. They get shot up like Swiss cheese and they just get right back up. Not as fast as like the T-1000, mind you, but they do get back up. But what we learn in the movie is that sometimes they just stop healing and it'll be random. And we also know these people have been around for a while. We know that Charlize Theron's character is really, really old, like unbelievably old. She doesn't actually say when she's from, but we can assume she's at least double the age of Nikki and Joe, who are who found out they were immortal during the Crusades. 
But what I liked about this whole immortal thing and this whole storyline is that it didn't take a lot of exposition for us to understand what's going on. It's very simple. They're immortal until one day they're not. That day comes randomly. There's never more than a couple immortals at one time. And for very obvious reasons, they try to keep their identity secret. What I also really liked about this was the bad guy was a very... A very well thought out bad guy. So we have we have Harry Melling playing Merrick, who is the CEO of a pharmaceutical conglomerate. We also have Dr. Meta Kozak, played by Anna Maria Marinka, I think is her name from movies like Fury. Her reasoning is she wants to find some amazing scientific discovery. And then we have Merrick, who just wants to make a ton of money. And that's a very good bad guy. Because how often do we hear about these these heads of these pharmaceutical companies charging a criminal amount of money for life-saving medication. And then they say, oh, it's because the the research take costs so much money. And yeah, that's a great idea, but you're also a multimillionaire, sometimes even a billionaire. I wonder where all that money came from. So we have a bad guy that's really easy to hate. And Harry Melling is very good at being hateable. Also, we have Chiwetel Ejiofor, who's really, really good at playing the the middle role. Just like, just like in Serenity, he's a bad guy, but not the bad guy. In this movie, he betrays them, but what's his reasoning? He wants to do good. He thinks, hey, maybe if we can study these immortal people, maybe we can cure all these diseases. Maybe we don't have to lose people to cancer or diseases anymore. Yay, I'm doing this for a good reason. Oh, wait, I did something bad? So this movie has a good cast. It has a good bad guy. It has a good tortured character who's riding the line between good and bad. It has Nikki and Joe who are a very cute couple. And I just love the scene where the soldiers are making fun of them for being gay. And then I think it was Joe gives a speech about none of you know anything about love. And it's just so satisfying when, yeah, you teach those homophobic ass. As for the movie as a whole, I, I know I've already picked out a bunch of things I really liked about this film. But as a whole, the movie was okay. It wasn't wonderful. It wasn't bad. I enjoyed myself, but it was predictable. I never really got surprised. Even when the team got betrayed, I, I sat there and was like, okay. I didn't fully see that coming, but nor am I surprised. But also, we have to keep in mind what kind of movie we're watching. If I wanted a movie that would surprise me, if I wanted a movie with a more compelling plot with more twists and turns, maybe I'm not going to watch a comic book movie on Netflix. Call me crazy. So for a movie like this, it's very important that you know what you're getting into when you watch it and just watch the trailer. Oh my God, how many times would that save people trouble if they just watch the f***ing trailer and ask themselves, does this appeal to me at all? Knowing myself and my movie tastes, does this look like something I would like or would I then bitch about it online because I didn't like it? Or would I then start my own podcast so I can bitch about movies that way? I don't know, but I know I use that excuse a lot, knowing what kind of movie you're watching. Watching a movie like Midsummer or The Lighthouse or the latest rendition of Little Women with a critical eye is a good idea. Watching a movie like Kong Skull Island or Ant-Man with a critical eye, maybe that's a bad idea. Maybe those are movies best left just to watch and enjoy. That is not a free pass. That is not a free pass for a movie to not try. Which is why I think this movie was good, but not great. Because I think it could have tried a little harder. I could have asked for a little more development out of the characters. I would have liked that. I would have liked some of the twists not to be so obvious. Kiki Lane's character, Niall, is going to leave the group right before a big mission. I wonder if she's going to have second thoughts, turn around, and end up saving the day. Who knows? But let's be honest, as far as action-adventure movies, you could do a lot worse. The Old Guard was fun. The Old Guard was enjoyable. It could have been better, but it also could have been a lot worse. It has a good cast. It has a lot going for it. And it's already available on a service that a lot of you, if not all of you, probably have. But you know what? The movie actually did surprise me in only one aspect. And remember, I'm not staying away from spoilers in these episodes, so you have one more chance to just skip ahead a bit before I say, what surprised me was that Charlize Theron didn't die. 
I thought she was going to die. She would pass the torch of leadership in, instead of anyone else in her crew to Kiki Lane. Charlize Theron died. They would get an idea that and there's another one of them out there. They would go on the search for that person. That's how I thought it would go. Once I realized Charlize Theron wasn't going to die, I kind of knew they're going to bring back that Chinese woman that got, you know, was had been tortured for hundreds and hundreds of years in a underwater coffin. I knew they're going to bring her back. So the way this movie ends, it could very well lead beautifully into a sequel. It could do it wonderfully. But if they also left it right there, I wouldn't be too bothered about it. So yes, let's wrap this up by saying The Old Guard was a fun new movie. If you just want a fun action movie, watch this. The Old Guard gets an 8 out of 11. All right, my future friends, that is it for the films. Let us take our final break as we hear a word from our friends from We're Doing Fine with Robbie and Lisa. Then we'll be right back with the question of the week and the movies for next week. Please stay tuned. Hi, I'm Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're We're Doing Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're We're doing doing fine. All right, everyone, we are back. We are back with the question of the week. And if you remember, the question of the week was, which superhero has your favorite villains? But before we answer that, we got an answer from Frat Matt to last week's question. And I'm pleasantly surprised because I didn't think I would get any other answers. If you don't remember, my half-assed question was, if a movie was made today featuring one of your favorite childhood sports stars who would be in it and he says bo jackson and ken griffey jr because yeah bo knows and i remember when ken griffey jr was the sh- i remember he was such a big deal that even people who weren't fans of the mariners in the 90s because he was on the mariners for like what a decade or something were still like yeah i like that guy i don't like that team f- the mariners i like my team but yeah ken griffey ken griffey jr is the shit and, you know, part of me wishes that I did take better care of my baseball cards as a kid because I, I do believe I had a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. No longer, mind you, but at one time, which would get me an easy $100 these days. Though a while back, actually last year, I did find a stack of old baseball cards. I went through them hoping to find something worth money to sell, and I found jack sh- Like, I would probably have to pay someone to take them off my hands. But thank you, Frat Matt, for that answer. So let's turn to this week's question, and we have one from Brian Q, who says, Favorite superhero villains, hand down, the tick. Or hands down, the tick. I loved all the hedge ninja stuff, man-eating cow, Barry. <laughs> Barry. By the way, Ben Edlund not only did the tick, but he wrote for Firefly, helped create, and I think wrote for Venture Brothers, and wrote for Supernatural. Jesus Christ, I did not know that. Wow, he's, I'm looking up his IMDb page now. That's really impressive. So he was a writer and producer for a while for Supernatural, also for Angel, uh, The Tick, like Brian Q said. Yep, Firefly. Oh, he wrote Janestown. That's such a good episode. Wow, Ben Edlund's kind of dope. So thank you for that answer. We then turn to this very house with Anne, who says, she actually said the Arrowverse, because Arrowverse had Slade Wilson. And on top of Slade Wilson, they also on that show had John Barrowman, who played Malcolm Merlin. John Barrowman, who was in Doctor Who and Torchwood as Captain Jack Harkness. So yeah, I agree. Those are two great reasons to say the Arrowverse. But for me, I I had a harder time with this because I thought I was going to say Batman. Because, come on, the Joker, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, the Riddler, one of my favorite villains. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized it had to be Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man has the best rogues gallery and also because his relationship with some of them, too. That does a lot. Like I read a Spider-Man book by author Jim Butcher where he teams up with the Rhino and in it, he makes the Rhino a very understandable character. We also have the Lizard who is good friends with Spider-Man when he's not, you know, a raged out lizard. But just look at some of these bad guys. We have the Vulture. 
We have Tombstone, Rhino, Shocker. We have Morbius, who's sometimes a Spider-Man villain. We have Mysterio. We have Scorpion, Hobgoblin, a Lizard, Kingpin, Craven, Electro, Sandman, Venom, Dr. Octopus, Green Goblin, Carnage, and Morlin. Morlin, who's the whole reason the Spider-Verse is a thing, because he goes from universe to universe, killing the and eating the spider totem from that universe. Morlin, who Spider-Man beat the first time only because Morlin's little helper person turned on him. Morlin, who then had his whole family go and try and kill Spider-Man. That Spider-Man, Rhino, and Black Cat teaming up could barely take care of them. I would love to see a trilogy of Spider-Man movies based on Morlin and the Inheritors. I think that would be bad ass. So yes, Spider-Man, my vote for best rogues gallery. So it's time to think of a question for next week. All right, you know what? I'm going to be lazy for next week. And here's my question based solely on the fact that My Cousin Vinny was one of the movies we talked about. I want to know what your top three law movies are. And before anyone asks, yes, by law movie, I do mean a movie that takes place mainly in a courtroom. So for next week, the question, what are your top three favorite law movies? And with that, let me tell you what movies we're going to watch for next week, and I'll send you along your way to listen to your other favorite podcasts. So next week, we're going to talk about Little Monsters on Hulu and Project Power on Netflix. Yes, Little Monsters on Hulu and Project Power on Netflix. So my future friends, thank you once again for tuning in. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And let's get right into the closing housekeeping. You can find me on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I would really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And also, share the podcast. Share with your friends. That is how we grow here on the show. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. And please consider supporting the show on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and also on the Somewhat Nerdy site. Be sure to check out the other shows in the network, Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Don't forget to support the friends of the show. You've heard their ads tonight. Please check out my personal blog, BilliamTheNerd.com. And then finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future friends, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. <laughs>